You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. The word of the Lord. There is a word from the Lord. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be looking at chapter 9. We're going to read about 10 verses of scripture. Thank you, Lord. Evangelist Carly Taylor's in the house. <laughs> I know she preached y'all crazy last week. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 27. When you have it, holla, I got it. I'm going to read it to you from the New International Version. The word of the Lord reads as thus. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. Help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. I want to minister to you coming in hot but coming out healed i'm gonna say that one more time so your spirit can get it coming in hot but coming out healed father we thank you we bless you for these your people we thank you for the ministry that's always gone already gone forth before you we we thank you that we've lifted you up that we magnified your name in praise and in worship but now god we come to break bread with the word and father we pray that as we come together to hear your word that you break up follow ground so that we can hear you clearly lord i'm asking that you make my tongue as a spin pin of a ready rider god we want to hear you and hear you clearly move me out of the way and have your way speak to your people God we need a word from you and so Lord we say have your way do what you do move shift transformed renew oh God we need you in this place this hour this moment and the people of God said in Jesus name 
Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The circumstances surrounding this particular historical event is unique because they have just come down, Jesus, Peter, and James, from the Mount of Transfiguration. They had just experienced what it is to have a miracle. They, they saw Elijah show up and Moses showed up and Jesus was transfigured in front of them. But as soon as they get off the mountain, they have a sharp shift. Uh, as they get off the mountain, they walk up on a heated argument between the other disciples and some of the scribes or teachers of religious law. It's here that we are introduced to a deficiency in some of the disciples. They, they have a deficiency that's due to a lack of prayerful fasting. And what it has done is it stunted kingdom power on earth. Because of the stunting of kingdom power on earth, the disciples could not do what they were supposed to do. They could not cast out the devil. And so because they could not do it, the father and brings his son to Jesus so that Jesus can heal him. The Bible says that he'd been possessed by an evil spirit that wouldn't let him talk. And uh, whenever that evil spirit and that deaf and mute spirit would come up on him, the Bible says it would seize him, throw him to the ground violently. He'd foam at the mouth. He would grind his teeth and he would become rigid. The boy's symptoms, the Bible says, were demonic in origin. Jesus had already given his disciples the power and the authority to cast out demons. But we learn from Ephesians chapter 6 that there are levels of demons. We learn in Ephesians chapter 6 that some demons are stronger than others, that some are more resistant than others, that some are more stubborn than others. And so what Jesus is about to relay is that this thing you dealing with, baby, no, we're not just going to pray for this one. This one requires prayer and fasting. Again, because there are levels of devils, you may be able to cast out something by simply pointing at that thing and saying, come out. But then another time, you're going to have to go turn over your plate and you're going to have to go into prayerful fasting and then walk back up to that devil and say I'm ready now you got to get some spiritual strength for this thing there are some things that as people of God we have been given authority over God has given access to the authority but we've got to be able to exercise the spiritual muscles inside of us to be able to use that authority effectively the Bible lets us know in Isaiah 51 the Lord says is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo their heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke what the Lord is saying is that breakthrough is available and this is where it gets real scary because we already have a difficult time in the house of God coming together for prayer meetings by the time you put fasting inside of that prayer meeting the whole church going off and yet we mad at the devil and we frustrated at the devil and we mad at what's happening in our homes and angry about what's happening in our schools but don't nobody want to turn over a plate <laughs> and the Lord says this thing comes out by prayer and fasting this unclean spirit was strong enough not just to short shut the boy's mouth but it was strong enough to shut the boy's ears the Bible says that he had a deaf spirit. He is unable to hear. 
But in a sense, he was only unable to hear certain sounds. He's deaf to the voice of reason. He's deaf to the voice of his loved ones. He's deaf to the voice of safety. All he could hear was the voice of the enemy. What do I do when the only voice I can hear is the voice of the enemy? What do I do when all week long all I hear is how unworthy I am? What do I do when all I hear is that I'll never be loved and not even God could really love me? What do I do when I hear all week long a voice in my ear that tells me my life is not worth living? What do I do when the only thing I can hear is the devil? And you ain't got to raise your hand because people are nowhere you've been, but I'll raise my baby. I've been there. There are sometimes I have spent a season, an entire season hearing what I can't doing what I can't be and what I won't become all I heard was the voice of the enemy now because that was the only voice that the boy heard death stays on the boy's mind he could only hear the negative self-talk he could only hear the criticism he could only hear his pain talk he could only hear the enemy talk and the reason some of y'all looking at me funny right now is because the truth is concerning the same with you it's all you've been hearing is about you is what ain't good and what ain't right and what happened and what went wrong that's all you've been having replay in your ear night after night it has become a perseverating thought process. It's toxic. It's negative. And you are a believer. And yet you're still hearing these voices. And today God came to deal with every voice that ain't like his. Today God says I'm going to deal with the voice of the enemy whispering in your ear. Nobody else could hear it. And you didn't want to tell nobody because you thought it would make you seem less saved. But God said today we're telling on that bold-faced devil. Today we're telling on the enemy. All he could hear was the voice of the enemy. And if the only voice that I hear is the voice of the enemy... Because faith comes by hearing and hearing about the word of God, then certainly fear and anger and rage and lack of control come by the enemy and that enemy's voice speaking in our ear. And so we've got to deal with the voice of the enemy. God has not given us, the Bible says, the spirit of, and so why am I so fearful? It's got to be something else speaking in my ear. Uh, there's a story that's told. It's told about a certain culture of people. And what they would do is year after year, they would gather children when they reached the age of five and six years old. They would gather them from around different various villages and they would bring them all together. And they gave them this task year after year. They had to climb to the top of the mountain. Now, the entirety of the time, the adults would be at the bottom of the mountain, so-called for support. You know, as what the church say the church say we did to support you I'm just here for support that's all just just here for support so, so they showed up for support while the babies were climbing and as the babies were climbing the adults got to talking the adults got to talking while the babies were climbing trying to reach their goal trying to reach the top but they could hear in the background the parents talking at the bottom I know they don't think they're gonna make it to the top of that mountain uh, they just like they daddy and they daddy didn't make it how they gonna make it ain't no way that she gonna make it to the top of that 
that mountain. She looked like her mama, her personality like her mama. She got her mannerisms like her mama. And have you heard about her mama? The more they would talk, the babies would begin to fall. They would talk and the babies would fall. They would talk and the babies would fall. By the end of it, there were only about three or four kids left. They were climbing for their lives, trying to make it to the top of the mountain. But the adults began to talk even more and more. Ain't no way they're going to make it. And look at them. They looking, getting tired. They tired. They out of breath. Ain't no way they look at them. Just look at them. And they all begin to fall except one little boy. One boy made it to the top of the mountain. And nobody could figure out how did he do it. How did he make it to the top of the mountain when nobody else did? How did he make it to the top when everybody else failed? How did he make it? What makes him so special? What is it about him that caused him to be able to reach the goal that was in his heart? Well, come to find out the boy was deaf. So while everybody else was hearing the negativity, the boy kept climbing. While everybody else heard the criticism, that boy kept climbing. While everybody else was hearing you can't, that boy kept climbing. Is there anybody in here that refuses to hear what you can't do another day longer? Even if it's you talking to you, sometimes you got to tell you, baby, shut your mouth and let God do in you what he said he's going to do in you. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself, look in the mirror and say, you ain't going to say another nasty word about you. You ain't going to say another thing that don't look good about you. You ain't going to say another thing about what God can't do in you. Shut your mouth, Stacy. Let God be God. And let every enemy be scattered. Oh, we're going to talk to the, to the devil today. We're going to tell the devil not another moment. You've been running your mouth for way too long. I'm about to open up my mouth. All he could hear was the voice of the enemy. But the Bible doesn't just say that the boy could not hear. The Bible also says that the boy could not speak. So the boy is deaf. But the Bible also says he has a mute spirit. I'm going to say it again. The Bible lets us know he's deaf. He can't hear. But the Bible also, or he can't hear certain people and certain sounds, but he can hear the enemy. But the Bible also says that he cannot speak. Now, to have a mute spirit, he cannot speak means he's voiceless. He was not silent. Silence is a choice. I choose whether or not I open up my mouth, and it really is a superpower. <laughs> Anybody else figured it out yet? It's a superpower to be able to control the most unruly member of your body, which is your tongue. And so that is a choice. It is a choice not to respond. It is a choice to be silent. But the Bible doesn't say that this boy was silent. The Bible lets us know this boy is silenced. There is something inside of him that is stronger than him that has taken control over his mouth. There is something inside of him that is stronger than him that has taken control of his tongue and his lips. This boy could not talk if he wanted to. He can't speak up for himself if he wanted to. He can't talk back 
to the enemy if he wanted to. The Bible says he has a mute spirit. So the enemy is talking, but if the boy would try to talk back, the enemy shuts his mouth. My God. So the enemy is talking, but anytime the boy would cry, help me, the enemy shuts his mouth. Anytime the boy would try to say, is Jesus anywhere near, the enemy would shut his mouth. And this is what we've been doing week after week during altar call. We cuss real good. We fuss real good. We complain real good. But every time somebody does altar call, we get real, real quiet. Hey, we can even shout real good. And we can even dance real good. We sing real pretty and real long. But when it comes time for altar call, all of a sudden something gets in control of our mouth. Something get in control of our tongue. We're suffering. We're hurting. We're sick in our bodies. We're tired. But something won't let us open up our mouth and shout, Jesus, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Week after week, we go to altar call silent, waiting on a preacher to say something, to call something out. But we got to open up our own mouth. I told you today we're talking back to the enemy. It's something when I can gossip all day long. I can gossip about you and I can gossip about you. I can say what's wrong with my brother. I can say what's wrong with my sister. But I cannot open up my mouth and say, God, deliver me. It's something when I can complain about everything going wrong around me. But I refuse to open up my mouth and say, God, help me. No, we find out that why this boy is suffering from a deaf spirit and a mute spirit that a large crowd is gathering. Hmm. They come to hear an argument between the disciples and the teachers of religious law. To be honest, I don't really know which voice is worse. If it's the voice of religious people or the voice of the enemy, I ain't figured it out yet. Nonetheless, here they are arguing back and forth. I want you to notice the incongruency here in the middle of this argument. Here's the incongruency. When the disciples were successful in ministry, when they were successful in deliverance ministry, when they were successful in healing ministry, these teachers of religious law ain't had nothing to say. They did not say congratulations, good job, I love the way God is using you, you keep going, you better go, boo, go. They had nothing to say. But now all of a sudden that they have experienced a failure, now you have something to say about my failure. Here they are arguing, but they had nothing to say good when the good was happening happening what do I do when the person who is coming against me could never possibly try what I even tried even if I failed trying it but you got a whole lot to say it's something that people got a whole lot to say about your leadership style when the only thing they've led is a dog on a leash they got something real big to say about your marriage and they never been married ain't never had a husband ain't never had a spouse they got something to say about how you running your business and can't put two nickels together to make a Got a whole lot to say, but would not have the faith to even try what you tried. They ain't got faith to be uh, against uh, something else like that. They ain't got faith for that. They ain't got faith to try what you tried. They ain't got faith to start a business. They ain't got faith to be a spouse. They ain't got faith to break generational curses, but they got a whole lot to say. You know what they do have faith in? Your failure. Some people would rather see your failure then they would your miracle make it make sense to me they'd rather see you fall than see you succeed 
make it make sense to me because I ain't talking to the world. I'm in here talking to the church. Somebody make it make sense in the house of God. They come together to discuss the failure of the disciples who have had so much success. What's wrong when a church only comes together outside of church to talk about folk? Some of y'all brave enough to do it in-house. But a whole lot of us wait till we get outside of the church to say, I don't know what they think they're doing, but they ain't doing that right. You know, you got to call a few folk because you got to get other people involved in it. But the crazy thing is, while they arguing and fussing and fighting, the boy's still bound. He ain't stopped writhing. He hasn't stopped foaming at the mouth. The enemy is still attempting to throw him into the fire. The enemy is still attempting to throw him into the water. The boy is still bound and the church is still arguing. Make it make sense to me. How is it that we're still arguing about worshiping on a Saturday and a Sunday and the boy is still bound? How is it that we're still arguing about did Jesus die on a Thursday or a Friday and the boy is still bound? How are we still arguing about pants and dresses and the boy is still bound? How is it that we're still arguing about whether or not a woman can preach? The devil is alive. Do you see me preaching? The boy is still. Somebody help the boy. Somebody help the boy because the boy is still bound. The boy still needs deliverance. The boy still needs some help. The boy still needs breakthrough. Stop the arguing. Stop the fighting. Stop the complaining. The boy is still bound. I need you to talk back to me, church. I need somebody to make it make sense for me, church. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. All these souls hurting and broken. All these souls suffering and you got an argument. It's nice, baby. It's nice that you can articulate theology. You got some real intelligent conversation. But while you over here with your intelligent conversation, they over here dying. I love it that you can exegete scripture the way that you do. But really, what does it matter when this person right in your own household is on the way to a burning hell? Oh, my God. Make it make sense, somebody. How important is your argument when the person sitting next to you is struggling with homicidal ideation? How important is it? Let me put it in perspective for you. If you really knew that the sister next to you was cutting herself and saying when the last time was going to be the last time, how important is your argument really? If you knew the person next to you was suffering with crack cocaine addiction and they said, if God don't deliver me now, I'm taking my own life tonight. How important is your argument now? If you really knew what your brother and your sister was going through, you would table your offense. No, they didn't invite you to the barbecue, but that is not the main order of business right now because the boy is still. Yes, you got a problem with your clique in the church. You shouldn't have no clique in here anyway. That's not an issue. The boy is still. 
we like to call it church hurt because it dresses us up better. But who cares about church hurt next to the fact that this soul is suffering an egregious pain. The boy is still. So table the offense. Say that out loud. Table the offense. You know, usually we would say tell your neighbor, but I ain't telling you to talk to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. Tell yourself, table the offense. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get invited over for chicken dinner, but it's all right. I'm going to table my offense because the boy is still bound. We argue about things that don't even make no sense. Don't make a lick of sense. You mad they smoke weed and you take anti-anxiety medication? Y'all ain't gonna like me by the time I'm finished. Make it make sense. You mad about what they wearing and your mind ain't right. If they could ever see into your thoughts, they'd see a whole pornography session. Make it make sense. I really want you to help me make it make sense. And just because somebody can see what's wrong with you, don't mean ain't nothing ain't wrong. Come on now. They can just see that visibly with their eyes. You over here hiding it real good. Don't nobody know what you're doing. Because you're good at it. You're good at hiding it. You're good at covering it up. You're good at Maybelline in that thing. You're good at Shandaya Roboko Shandaya, that thing. You know, when you can speak in tongues over something, it'll hide you real good. You can be invisible in plain sight, putting tongues on something. Shouting on it. Oh, they real anointed. They shouting. They has no idea that if they could take your husband, they would. All right, all right, all right, all right. They're arguing and complaining while the boy is still bound. Now... I want you to notice this. The Bible says that the disciples failed to cast out the devil. So the father no longer has faith in the disciples. And that's where some of us are. We no longer have faith in the disciples because the disciples failed. And that's what we got mixed up at because we thought because the disciples failed that Jesus failed. The father no longer even has faith in himself because it's been years and he ain't been able to do nothing about the condition of his daddy, of his, of his son. So, so now he doesn't even believe in himself. He's lost faith in psychologists. He's lost faith in the doctors because nobody has been able to fix this problem. And yet now we see Jesus comes on the scene. And don't he come right on time? We used to sing that song, may not come when you want him, but... He comes right on time. And when Jesus arrives, he does not join the argument because the boy is bound. He, he doesn't have a board meeting because he sees the boy is still bound. He, he doesn't try to figure out who started the fight because he understands the boy is still bound. Instead, what Jesus says is, bring that boy to me. And what I want to, us to notice is that sometimes our situation will become more volatile just before our deliverance. When they bring the boy to Jesus, the Bible says when the evil spirit saw him, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. But Jesus ain't worried about that. He calmly looks to the father of the boy and he asks, how long has this been happening? Now the way that the father answered him really touched my soul. The, the father says, since he was a little boy, the enemy has been attempting to kill him. 
He's in essence saying this boy has grown up with demons. Since he was a little boy, the enemy has tried to throw him into the fire to kill him. When that didn't work, the enemy tried to throw him into the water to kill him. The Bible says often trying to kill him. Talk about coming in high. Some of us are dealing with hot people and we don't even know it. We're dealing with people who are showing symptoms of something far more sinister and you're looking at the behavior and you're looking at the symptoms, you're looking at the temperature, you're looking at the fever, but you're missing the source of the problem. You're missing the culprit of the symptoms. It's real easy for me to tell when my grandgirl is sick. She's three years old. When she's sick, she says, no, no, I'm cold. And her body will literally be shivering. Now, if I just took that, I'm thinking she's cold, but Nana is going to touch you, and Nana going to see how, how you're feeling, baby. And so when I touch her body, her body is burning up with fever. Now, what do I do when her body is burning up with fever? At that point, I'm really not concerned with what caused the fever. I want to stop the fever because although a virus or an infection may be causing the fever, if I don't handle the heat, the heat could kill her. So the first order of business is to do exactly what the daddy did. He handled the symptoms. He handled the fever. He handled the temperature. Every time the boy was thrown into the fire, can you picture that daddy? Get over here, boy. Get out that fire. He's handling the symptoms. He's trying to keep the boy alive. Every time the enemy threw him into the water, can you picture him snatching him up out of the water before the boy drowns? He's handling the symptoms. But when he gets sick, about it he realizes that I gotta stop dealing with the symptoms I need to get to the culprit I need to get to the source I handle the symptoms for as long as I could and rightfully so because the fire would have killed him the heat would have killed him the water would have killed him but now here comes Jesus the great physician that can diagnose what caused the fever in the first place here comes Jesus on the scene and he's ready to handle the fever. Who's hot in the house? Ooh, who's hot? Who's hot? Who's hot? Some of us came in hot and we don't even want to admit it. We, we dealing with hot people and we don't want to admit it. Some of our children are hot and we don't want to admit it. Our spouses are hot and we don't want to admit it. There's something else going on and we're so busy dealing with the symptoms. We've missed the whole source of the problem. Today, God wants us to get to the source. <sighs> the source, the source. The source. How many of you ever felt like that little boy? I have a book for sale after this, The Gospel of Mental Health. And you'll see within that book that I grew up with a father, or was at least to the age of four or five years old, that is, who had schizophrenia. And if you know anything about schizophrenia, you will know that there is some link genetically to that. Right. And so even when you think about being born into something and how you grew up with something, it seems like the odds were against you when you came out the womb. Seemed like that when you came out the womb that there was an assigned enemy to your destiny waiting for you. That there were generational curses, generational curses of poverty, generational curses of sickness, generational curse, uh, curses of death and, and, and heartache and pain and anguish and depression. It seems like that when you even came out of the womb that something was waiting on you, right? And, and so some of us can relate more to this young man than we would like to admit. We don't want to tell everybody our business, but some stuff we're dealing with, we knew our mama dealt with that. We 
knew our daddy dealt with that. We, we knew that most of the people in our family had experienced divorce or had lived in violent situations. We don't want to admit that. We don't want to talk about the fact that many of our family members suffered from the same addictions that we suffer with. But don't nobody want to talk about that in the church. And the enemy wants to keep you mute. The enemy wants to keep you silent. Because if you stay silent, you'll stay bound. But by the time we finish, I pray that every soul in here will open up their mouth and tell on the devil. Tell on the devil for what he tried when you was a baby. Tell on the devil for what he tried when you was five years old. Tell on the devil for what he tried when you was eight and nine and ten. Stuff you never opened up your mouth about. I pray that by the time we finish, you'll be bold enough to say the devil tried it. But God, here I am. And if anybody can get to the source of the issue, if anybody can get to the problem, God, it's you. Jesus is on the scene now and he's ready to handle what others couldn't. He looks at the father and because the father, uh, the boy couldn't cry out, the father now cries out for him. And what does the daddy say? He says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. I love the way Jesus responds. What you mean if I can't? <laughs> Anything is possible, he says, if you believe. And so the father cries out, I believe. Now help thou my unbelief. Can you relate to that? I believe real strong. I believe in the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe that the Lord is soon to come. I believe in baptism in the name of Jesus all day long. I believe in the repentance and remission of sins. I believe that Jesus loves me. The height, the depth, the width is unfathomable. I believe all day long. But baby, it's some things that I done suffered with from so long. I'm like, God, I believe, but I'm going to need you to help my... I done prayed about this thing for years. What I'm praying about looks like it's getting worse. I still believe you, God, but help my... God, I promise you, with everything in me, I love you. But I've been going through this for so long. And out of everything I've tried, out of all the prayers i prayed, it seemed like it's not getting any better. So, God, I believe you, yes. You are Lord. You are sovereign. You are king. But help my unbelief. Because sometimes it feels hopeless. And sometimes it seems like it'll never work out. And sometimes it seems like they'll never get better. And sometimes it seems like it only gets worse. So help thou my unbelief. Again, it's trying to articulate it. That we often have a problem. Actually being able to say as a tongue-talking believer, help thou my unbelief. Being able to say it as a minister, help thou my unbelief. Being able to say it as a teacher, help thou my un help thou my unbelief. He's saying the right thing. He's telling the truth concerning his own situation. Now it takes faith to ask for what you're lacking in and believe God can bring increase in that area. So what he's saying is, Lord, help me to increase my territory of faith. And he asked it by the little faith that he got. <laughs> he says, help thou my unbelief. He doesn't say help my son. He says, help thou my unbelief. Because anything is possible to those who. So I dare you right now to just say, help thou my unbelief. In the meantime, Jesus is looking around. The boy is writhing. 
He's foaming at the mouth, becoming rigid, grinding his teeth. People love a show. You ever seen it on social media? Post positive stuff all day long. Say something crazy about somebody and all of a sudden. Phew. So now a crowd is gathering because they see a show. Now, it's then that Jesus handles what's in the boy because he makes sure that the enemy does not get one more ounce of attention. Some of us are giving the enemy too much attention. He makes sure that the devil does not get another ounce of attention. There are some of us in here, the Lord is ready and willing to deliver us. But whenever we get an audience, rather, instead of opting for deliverance, we opt for attention. We'd rather complain and magnify the enemy and, and talk about it and magnify the problem when deliverance is readily available. So the audience makes us feel as if we have some kind of attention. So rather than deliverance, we want attention. But if you're really sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you are, who, who are you? If you're really sick and tired and you're tired of the heat, you're tired of the fever, you'll realize that I don't want this attention more than what I want my deliverance. You ever seen people that want attention and you know they want attention because they got the answer right in front of them and refuse to have it? They just rather talk about it. That's someone who wants attention. So they're taking up all your resources, all your time, got you on the phone all night long when truly they don't want deliverance. They just want the attention. Jesus says the devil is a lie. I'm going to make sure that I handle this right now so the enemy won't get one ounce of attention. This message is for those who are sick and tired of being sick and tired of a stronghold in in your life you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of a stronghold in the lives of your loved ones and you refuse to allow the enemy one more ounce of attention you won't give him one more piece of credit you won't give him one more complaint you won't open up your mouth one more time to say what's wrong to somebody who ain't got enough power in a toenail to cast nothing out the devil is a liar we won't give him another ounce of attention Jesus looks at the boy he looks at the boy and he says this I command you deaf and dumb spirit to come out of him watch this and enter him no more he may have come in hot but he's coming out healed no more writhing and foaming at the mouth he may have come in hot, but he's coming out healed. No more throwing into the fire and throwing into the water. He's coming in hot, but he's coming out healed. I don't know what you're dealing with. If it's maybe you that's saying, I I'm tired of trying to drink my troubles away. I, I don't want to pick up another blunt to try to fix this. I don't want to pick up another needle to try to fix this. I may have come in hot, but I'm coming out healed. Whatever it is that you may be going through in your marriage and you're sick of putting band-aids on that thing. If you're really sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're determined to say, I may have come in hot, but I'm coming out healed. Yes, my situation seems as if it's hopeless, but I serve a God who can do anything but fail. So I'm determined that even if I came in hot, I'm coming out healed. I refuse to fake it until I make it another day. I may have come in hot, but I'm coming out healed. It won't be another night that I spend tossing and turning in the bed, trying to figure it out for myself when I got a father who 
is omniscient, when I got a father who is omnipotent, when I have a father who can do anything, I may have come in hot, but I'm coming out healed. Watch what happens. The enemy sees everything going on, and he puts on even more of a show. He puts on more of a show as soon as the Lord tells him to come out. When the Lord tells him to come out, the Bible says the enemy convulses the boy. Can you picture that? He convulses him. He begins writhing all the more, foaming at the mouth all the more because the enemy knows his time is short. He does as much damage as he can do. This is what we're seeing in 20 and 22. We're seeing the enemy do as much damage as he can do. Why? Because he knows his time is short. He knows the Lord is soon to come. He knows the saints will soon be raptured. So he's doing everything he can do. You're trying to figure out why it is that our school systems are convulsing because the devil knows his time is short. You're trying to figure out why it is there's wars and rumors of wars because the enemy knows his time is short. Trying to understand why the earthquakes in diverse places because the devil knows his time is short. Trying to figure out why mothers against daughter and daughter against mother because the devil knows his time is short. As much as he knows his time is short, that devil still gotta go. You can put on a show, but devil, you still gotta go. I'm gonna say it again for my own self. You can put on a show, but devil, you still gotta go. Some of y'all are discouraged right now because you're at that place. You're right on the precipice of deliverance and it seems like all hell has broken loose. But devil, you can put on a show. You still gotta go. And once you get out of here, you have no more access. You are into no more. No more sleepless nights. No more depressed thoughts. No more suicidal ideation. No more acting like I don't know who my God is. You can put on a show, devil, but you gotta go. If there's anybody in here right now who is determined to get what God has for them, you see the people arguing. You see the people debating, but it don't mean nothing to you. You came here for something specific. Some of y'all came here out of some routine to do regular church. It's your routine, you're used to it. And then some of y'all came in here desperate. If that's you, come on up to this altar. The Lord says, I've got something for your desperation. I've got something for your need. I've got something for your lack. I've got something for your sickness. I've got something for the emotional sickness. I've got something for the physical sickness. I've got something for the sin sickness. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.